Well, if you want to um, go to the book of Proverbs, we'll start in Proverbs chapter 6 today. And uh, as we've been doing our study through Proverbs during the summer, we've been collecting the different topics that Proverbs talks about into specific weeks. And this week we're going to be talking about the subject of pride and humility. And as an expert in humility, I am I'm happy to preach this sermon to you because I have this one nailed. Um, I'm, I'm awesome at this. And so... Um, yeah, not, not at all. Uh, this, is, this is definitely one of our big sins. And, and the, the sin of pride is a dangerous one because really what Proverbs is trying to do is make us wise. And if we're proud, we never become wise. This is a sin that can actually uh, immunize us so that we can't be infected with God's wisdom if we allow this sin to stay in our hearts. Um, when we talk about pride, sometimes it's listed as the first of seven deadly sins. But really, it's at the heart of all sins. Pride is self-centeredness. It's a stubborn refusal to let God be God in our lives. It's an attempt to take God off of the throne of our lives and replace him with ourselves. It's the de-godding of God and the putting us on his throne, the replacing of God with me, and God hates it. Now that can sound strange because we live in a society where pride is a virtue. I know in the public school I went to growing up, uh, self-esteem was the religion of our public school, that we, we were supposed to worship ourselves. But then comes the Bible, and it says that God hates that kind of thing. Listen to Proverbs 6, verse 16. It says, There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. So in that list is pride, those haughty eyes. And it says that they are among seven things that are hated by God. And you know he's serious about it because look at the other stuff that's in the list. He says he hates those haughty eyes, but he also hates hands that shed innocent blood. So, so God looks at the Batman massacre over the weekend, and he hates it. He hates that sin. He hates the pain that's been brought into the lives of the victims' families. He hates that murder. And when he's making a list of the things that he hates, he puts the Batman massacre in there, and he puts pride in there. So it's a serious deal. I mean, most of us would not put, that, put pride in that list. Most of us would consider it a very small sin. It's one of those everybody-does-it kind of sins. It's not that big a deal. It's kind of like speeding, where you know we wouldn't really consider that a crime, um, because everybody speeds, and, and, and we think that pride is like that. We can't really consider that a sin. You know, if God gives us a ticket for that, we'd stand before him and probably talk him down to a parking ticket. It's not that big a deal because it's so common. But according to Scripture, he hates it. So today, briefly, we're going to just talk about some of the forms of pride, the ways that it shows up in our lives. We're going to talk about some of the dangers of pride, and then the remedy for pride. So let's talk about some of the, the forms. Proverbs twenty-one twenty-four. it says, scoffer, is the name of the arrogant, haughty man who acts with arrogant pride. So the kind of pride that we're most used to is arrogance. The guy who looks down at other people, scoffs at other people, who loves to make much of himself and belittle other people. People with this kind of pride are people who brag about their abilities, or they're so much better at things than other people. They're better at work, better at relationships, better at raising kids. They brag about all of their triumphs, where, where they had good purchases that they made, smart investments, business successes, athletic success, relational success. They make much of their bodies. 
where they dress to flaunt themselves, you know, dressing to flaunt their big muscles, which I try not to dress like that on account of my humility. Um, and, uh, or, or they dress just to show their bodies off. What this kind of pride is the kind of pride that says, look at me, and then looks down at other people. Proverbs 11, verse 12 says, whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding remains silent. So this is arrogance, those haughty eyes. It's the kind of pride that's easy to spot, at least it's easy to spot in other people, and it's the kind that we are normally sickened by. You know, eventually, if someone just can't stop talking about themselves, we don't want to be around them. Eventually, if someone's always mocking, always belittling other people, there's a sickening feeling that we get. But the truth is that the most dangerous forms of pride are not the forms that are the most obvious. Pride is a big problem because it's this disease that you can carry for a long time without it ever manifesting on the outside. We do have to watch out for the very visible form of pride, those haughty eyes. But then the Bible also talks about the danger of a haughty heart. Look at Proverbs 18, 12. It says, Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. So not only can you have that very visible haughty eyes kind of pride, you can also have a hidden haughty heart kind of pride, the arrogant heart. The person who's arrogant on the outside, he says, everybody should look at me, be impressed with me, and envy me because I'm awesome. But then there's the person who we think is the opposite with low self-esteem, who says, look, everybody's looking at me. Nobody envies me. Everybody thinks I'm a jerk. Everybody's against me. I'm a martyr. But that still is a haughty heart because that heart has at the center of it me. I'm the most important thing in my universe. Whether I'm arrogant and I think I'm the most important thing in my universe and I'm good at it, or whether I've got low self-esteem and I'm the most important thing in my universe and I'm bad at it, it's all called pride. The common ingredient is that if you look at yourself primarily, you're proud. And when you look at yourself, whether you see a rock star or you see a slug, doesn't really make much of a difference. It's all just pride. So pride can be boastful and arrogant, but it can also be very timid. It's a reliance on yourself, and that self-reliance can either be very secure or very insecure. Pride can say, look at me, but it can also say, woe is me, because it's all focused on me. It always talks about me. Sometimes we think, well, don't think too highly of yourself, so think very lowly of yourself, but really, when you're thinking about yourself, there's pride. Pride can even show up in in a form that we would consider really meek, we would never consider pride, and that's in the form of worry and anxiety. Uh, Just to skip out of Proverbs for a second, but listen to 1 Peter 5, 6. He says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So notice it says, Humble yourselves, casting all your anxieties on God. We would say proud people are not anxious. They're not worried. They think they've got it all together. But here he says it's an act of humility to acknowledge that you're worried about stuff, to acknowledge you have anxieties, and then give those things to God so that you're not worried anymore. If we worry all the time, that really is just an exposure of of pride. Proud people do worry about things because they feel like they should be in control, they should be able to handle things, and when we start to feel like I can't be in control, we don't turn to God and give him that worry, we don't give him that burden, we just feel like I should be in control, but I can't, so we worry. But it's all pride and it's all self-reliance, it's pride just cannot trust God. So, so when we, we put pride in these categories, we realize that pride is not just the occupational hazard of an NFL quarterback. 
This is a problem for all of us. Whether we think we're a big deal or we think we're a very small deal, we, we all have this issue with pride. So let's talk about some of the dangers. Um, and I'm going to divide up these dangers into two big categories, dangers on earth and dangers in heaven. Uh, dangers on earth, first of all. Proverbs 21.4, haughty eyes and a proud heart, the lamp of the wicked are sin. So here he calls haughty eyes and a proud heart the lamp of the wicked. So what does that mean? Well, if you go around at night with a lamp, and it's got like an orange flame burning in it, that changes everything that you see. That colors everything. Everything becomes orange. You, you hold it up to people, and they look different by the light of a fire than they would look in the daylight. What can happen when we have ourselves on the throne of our lives, when we are the most important thing in our lives, is we start to look at everything around us in a colored and different way. We start to look at other people, and, and because they are just props in this big play of life that's all about us, we treat them very differently. We, we treat people like someone that you should step on or step over. They come into our lives, and we treat them like they're an interruption because this whole thing is all about me, and they're just a prop that came into this. Pride becomes our lamp, and the way that we see everybody is changed by it. So that's one danger. Uh, we can become huge jerks if we become proud because everybody else is just a prop in our play. The second danger is that pride just keeps us from becoming wise. Proverbs twelve fifteen says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. If we feel pretty together, we feel like we know what we're doing, we feel like we don't really need God, we don't really need these other people, we won't become wise. A wise person listens to what other people are saying. A wise person listens to advice. He goes to a multitude of counselors to get wisdom, but someone who's proud never does that because everybody else is dumb. What do they have to offer me? So we won't get wise if we're proud. And also, pride leads to destruction. And this is a popular verse, Proverbs 16, 18, says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So it says that pride, if you leave it unchecked, will destroy you. Eventually, all that lack of wisdom that builds up in your life makes you make terrible decisions. Eventually, you're not able to, to keep up the image that, that you were trying to keep up in front of people. Eventually, all of these people that are the props in your life turn on you because they're sick of being used. They're sick of being treated like they're not consequential at all. And the natural consequence of worshiping yourself is that you get destroyed. That's because you're putting a weight on yourself that yourself was never meant to bear. You know, we see this with child stars all the time, where you just know the direction that they're going. Where you see this cute little child star that everybody worships as a god, and they're so squeaky clean and pure, and they're in the Mickey Mouse Club, and then you see them as they grow up and become teenagers and adults, you see this downhill trajectory that just ends up being a disaster. I mean, we saw it with Britney Spears and Dakota Fanning and Drew Barrymore and Miley Cyrus. You can predict where Justin Bieber's going, because what happens is you take somebody and you worship them, if they start to believe that lie that they're worshipable, it crushes them. Because we were just never meant to bear that kind of load. A bunch of years back, I think four years ago or so, our daughter Lydia had this little um, toy piano thing, like a plug-in keyboard kind of thing, and it had this uh, really flimsy plastic stool that um, sat in front of the piano that was meant to hold small, small children. And... Uh, and I decided to sit down next to Lydia on this little stool thing to, to play that. She wasn't sitting down, and I decided to sit on this little piece of plastic, which I really should have known better. 
instantly, without any kind of creaking, any kind of warning whatsoever, this stool exploded. Like just <laughs> plastic shards all over the place. I'm laying on my back, Liddy's standing over me. Are you okay, Dad? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. Stool's seen better days, but, but I'm all right. It just shattered it. This stool was not meant to bear, I mean, it was meant to bear 40 pounds, not considerably more than 40 pounds. And so, so when I put that weight on there, it exploded immediately, and it was crushed, and it hurt me, you know, walking around with a sore back for a week, because I put this weight on the stool that it wasn't meant to bear. If we put on our lives the weight of worship, where I'm going to make this whole thing all about me, I'm going to worship me, it crushes us, it explodes us. That stool did what stools do when you put that much weight on them. Our souls will do what souls do when you put the weight of worship on them. They'll get crushed. We'll be destroyed. That's why pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall, because we just weren't made for it. When we start to stand against the way God made things to be, it always goes badly for us. You know, all sin really is turning away from the pleasure that we should have in God and looking for that pleasure somewhere else. Uh, Covetousness, greed, is turning away from the pleasure that we should have in God to find satisfaction in the stuff that we own. Uh, Lust is turning away from God to find satisfaction in sex. Gossip is turning away from God to find satisfaction in belittling other people. Laziness is turning away from God to find satisfaction in rest. And pride is turning away from God to find satisfaction in ourselves. And ourselves can't satisfy. They just don't do it. And if we try to make ourselves do it, it will crush us. So those are the dangers in our lives, the dangers on earth, but there are also dangers in heaven, dangers really from God if we decide to allow pride to stay in our lives. Listen to Proverbs 15, 25. It says, The Lord tears down the house of the proud, but maintains the widow's boundaries. So God doesn't only say to us, if you stay proud, you're going to head in a bad direction and it's going to destroy you. On top of that, God says to us, If you stay proud, I will destroy you. This doesn't say God sits by and watches as as the proud's house is torn down. It says that he tears it down. He he gets in there and actively opposes people who are proud. 1 Peter 5.5 says something similar. He says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So God stands in there, and that word opposes could be translated frustrated, frustrates. That he stands in there in the lives of the proud, in the, the lives that they're trying to build, and he just frustrates all that order that they're trying to bring into their lives. God does all that. So, so why? Well, why would God do that? Why, why wouldn't he just let us get away with this one? It just goes contrary to the nature of God. If we look at God and who he is, the Trinity, where we have Father, Son, and Spirit, uh, from eternity past, You see this, what some people have called like a divine dance, where the Father, Son, and Spirit submit to one another, love one another, delight in one another. At the very heart of God is love. Love for these other persons of the Trinity. There's this outward focus on these other persons. That's who God is. And when we start to say, I'm going to be all about myself, we're just going contrary to to how our maker exists. Also, it puts us on this collision course with everything that God's going to be doing with the world. Back when we were doing the the vision part, I read the verse in Habakkuk where it says that the world's heading toward this place where the glory of the Lord is going to fill the earth as waters cover the sea. 
So God's pushing us toward this day where every person who's, who's here is going to be glorifying him and worshiping him. When we say, I want to glorify myself and worship myself, it's like we're standing on the train tracks. The train's coming. That's where things are going. But we say, no, I'm going to stand opposed to that. That's not going to go well for us. Luke 18, 14, in the second half of the verse, Jesus says, listen, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. That's what God's going to do with everything. And so we've got to decide whether we're, decide whether we're going to get on his train and ride that on the tracks that it's on, which is that he gets glorified in every corner of the, the universe, or we can decide I'm going to stand opposed to that and glorify myself. I'd rather be on the train than trying to stop it. Now, what's the remedy? What we usually try to do is we try to replace the look-at-me kind of pride with woe-is-me kind of pride. But that's really just shifting from from one form of me worship to another. If we start to say that there's got to be a solution somewhere inside of me, there's got to be some way for me to pull myself up by my bootstraps and not be proud anymore, then we'll be very proud of the great job that we did defeating our pride, which is kind of counterproductive. You know, if only there were some way for us to be rescued by some force outside of ourselves. Oh, wait, there is a way. At the heart of the Christian message is not this idea that I can fix myself. This, this is what you hear in so many places. You've been bad, so please start being good. Fix yourself. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Do good things now. Change yourself. What that'll do, even if we do accomplish some kind of change in our lives, some kind of change on the surface, is it'll just make us proud. Religion by itself is not a remedy for the pride in our hearts. The remedy for the pride in our hearts is the gospel. And this is the message that we have sinned so badly that we absolutely cannot fix it. We've rebelled against God. We've broken his law. There is nothing we can do to, to fill that gap between us and God. But because of God's love and mercy, Jesus Christ came. He pursued us. He died for us, he was buried, and he rose again, so that not by doing anything, but just by trusting in him as our rescuer, we can be saved. And then we can be free of our pride, but have nothing to boast about because we were rescued. Sometimes we we think, I, I can swim this gigantic ocean between me and God, and then I'll make it and I'll feel good about myself, but we'll never swim it. If we all decided right now, we're gonna swim across the Atlantic Ocean, Let's do this. We're going to go to New York City, we're going to swim across, and we're going to end in London. All of us would die. None of us along the way would take any pleasure in the fact that we made it a little bit farther than that other guy. You know, we're all swimming and somebody else goes under. We say, well, did better than him. No, we're not going to feel proud about that because we know we're going to be him. We're all going to go down too. And so sometimes we think, I'm doing better than all these other people around me, all of us sinking in our sin, all of us dying in our sin, and and that somehow feeds pride, even though all of us fall desperately short of where we're supposed to be. So what we need to do is realize that I'm not going to swim this thing. I'm not going to connect myself to God. I'm not going to make myself good. I'm not going to make myself awesome. I'm never going to have any kind of grounds for high self-esteem. But the answer is not to force some low self-esteem on myself so that so that I can be better now, because then I just boast about that. The answer is to be rescued. The answer is to admit the truth that I can't swim this, that there's a huge gap between me and God. I'm more sinful than I could ever imagine. But then to not be woe is me, but to be secured by the fact that God came to us. 
by really believing in the cross, that we were so bad that Jesus had to die for us. We were that bad, but we're completely secure now in God because he loved us enough to die for us. And if we just believe in him, we have everlasting life, we have forgiveness, and we have grounds for security and humility all at the same time. Christianity is the only religion that offers that. Every other religion says, do these things, connect yourself to God, but then you've got something to boast about. And man, you know what it's like to be around someone who's very proud of their religious observance, who's very proud of their morality. That's just the worst kind of pride there is. And I'd rather hang out with the guy who spikes the football any day of the week than the person who's bragging about how moral and pure and righteous they are. That's just sickening to be around a person like that. That's what we become if we accept a religious solution that's not the gospel. The only solution to pride, the only lasting solution, is to really believe in what Jesus did for us, really believe we can't save ourselves, and believe that the only thing that gives us right standing with God is what he did. That gives us complete security and complete humility at the same time. When we're proud, ultimately, it's because we don't believe the gospel. We don't believe we're that sinful. We don't believe we're that bad. So we think, you know, I'm, I'm pretty decent and I can look down at all these other people. The solution, the remedy, is to believe again in Jesus. And then we have not woe is me, but a real self-forgetful lifting up and worshiping of Jesus Christ. Well, for now, let's bow our heads and close our eyes, please. Christians, it's easy for us to start to think pretty highly of ourselves, especially when we look at our lives and even see some of the progress that God's made in changing us. He, he makes progress in giving us more grace, in, in changing the way we think, changing the way we live, and we can become pretty boastful and look down at other people around us. But the second that we start to become proud like that, it's because we're just not believing the gospel like we should. We're not believing we were really rescued. You know, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you don't have a relationship with God, maybe you've spent your whole life hearing that the way you get that relationship is by swimming across the Atlantic. Obey the Ten Commandments. Do all these things. And then if you do them all and you do them well, then maybe God will accept you. Well, that's not the Christian message at all. The Christian message is that you were supposed to obey those commandments. You were supposed to swim the Atlantic, but you can't. We all fall short. And the good news is that there's a Savior. That Jesus Christ came and he was the only one to ever live that righteous life. The only one to never sin. The only one who could swim that Atlantic. But then instead of only glorifying himself in the short term, he died for us. All the life that he deserved, he offers to us now. He transfers it to our account because of what he did on the cross. And all the death, the judgment, the hell that we deserve, he took on himself on that cross. So the Christian message is not, you've been bad, now do good. The Christian message is, you've been bad, now trust Jesus. Now be saved, be rescued. And the way that we're rescued is just by trusting in him. We don't do anything. We don't earn anything. We trust. So if you're here and you recognize that you're cut off from God, turn from sin, turn from unbelief, and trust in Jesus Christ. Trust in his death, burial, and resurrection for you. If you trust in him, you'll call out to him. That's where the Bible promises whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so in whatever words your heart comes up with, you can just say, God, I know how sinful I am. I know I deserve your judgment. I know there's nothing I can do about it. So God, save me. Forgive me. 
the good news of Christianity is that you don't have to keep swimming. You can trust Jesus. And then what happens when you trust him and you no longer have to work hard to get God to approve of you? You no longer have to build some false identity for yourself to make other people impressed with you when you can really let go of your pride? Then you actually do start to see your life change. And the Christian life is not a life that never changes and just persists in all of its immorality. It's a life that does become more moral, but it becomes more moral, not because we have to, but because we were freed from putting all that weight on ourselves. And in our freedom, we just start to fly. The gospel makes all the difference in the world. And when it comes to living out some of this wisdom that we see in Proverbs, the only way that we'll ever do it is by believing in Jesus, who is the wisdom of Proverbs, the wisdom of the scripture. He is the wise one, and as we believe in him, it changes us. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, it exposes us. Um, It it shows all the ways that we fall short. Uh, Lord, we're good at putting on an act. We're good at at looking humble. But in our hearts, we get very self-reliant, very self-sufficient. And so, Lord, we confess that to you, and, and we just believe what your word says, that apart from you, we can do nothing. And so, God, as people with nothing to offer you, nothing on our resumes, we thank you for the rescue. We thank you for the gospel. And, Lord, make us people who believe it and then live out the implications of that. Make us radically humble people, but radically humble, humble people who are not looking at ourselves all the time and thinking of ourselves as slugs, but are forgetting about ourselves and looking at you all the time worshiping you. God, as we sing these songs, we ask that that's what would happen, that that these truths would be driven deeply into our hearts so that we could be self-forgetful and we could be more aware of Christ and his gospel and his cross. So Lord, as we worship you and lift you up, we pray that you change us and humble us the right way. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.